0: Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by awesome co-hosts Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura?
1: I'm excited to talk longer than the game takes to play.
0: Oh, at least twice as long, no question. And Nate Heininger, how are you doing, Nate? Well, I just finished playing this, and I somehow feel less prepared to talk about it than i did before playing it so i am i am ready we're all professionals indeed and uh so this week we're talking about 30 flights of loving uh 30 flights of loving has come up on this show before uh it is a 2012 i guess uh first person adventure game is a way to put it or first person Someone
1: tried to call it a shooter, and I think that's just because <laughs> you move the you move the mouse to change your viewpoint, and I think that's all it has in common with shooters. It's
0: built on the Quake engine, yo, so it's got to be a shooter. Uh, so we talked about this before uh, because we did an episode on the sequel, a pseudo sequel to this game, Quadrilateral Cowboy. Um, And we've also talked about it a little bit on the episode we did uh, on uh, Virginia, which was heavily inspired by this game. But 30 Flights of Loving is one of those games that just consistently comes up. If you're reading about short narrative games, this is a touch point. This game came out in 2012, and it still comes up practically every time you have a conversation online about this sort of sub-niche of video games.
2: And we've had also just... Shout out to our listeners. We've had this game requested many times, uh, I think, for exactly the reasons that Reagan pointed out. So I'm glad that we are finally uh, talking about it.
0: And like I said, we have talked about it just a little bit before, but mostly with relate, with relation to, like, how it influenced other games or, you know, just in the context of later games that kind of drew on its its influence. But 30 Flights of Loving is a really interesting little game in and of itself. Um, probably one of the most interesting things about it is just that we're, I mean, we're talking about short games. This game is 15 minutes long. This is an extraordinarily short Game that packs an enormous punch for its uh, for its size.
2: It may be the shortest
0: game we've done.
2: This might be the shortest short game. Um, there's the the Doctor Mang- Stanislav, yeah. the Lang- Tiger, tiger. Doctor Langusk, <laughs> <Kong>, the and the Tiger
0: Diamond, an unusually um, large Emerald, emerald, an emerald, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah, whatever that was called. That was phenomenal. And, ha- and it was actually, a wonderful
1: thing, game that we're mangling.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this one this one is a extraordinarily short game um to put it in some context this is a game by blendo games which is basically a one-man development studio um that's brendan chung's development studio um he's done a few other games he had a couple of games before this um i actually was not really and still haven't really played any of his stuff that came before 30 flights of loving although this is actually the sequel to a game that he put out um called uh, gravity bone which was much more um linear narrative but similar in a lot of ways it's a it's a um, primarily narrative driven uh, first person game with this sort of blocky big square head visual art style Uh, and actually they share it shares a uh, it shares a a protagonist so this is a a direct sequel or kind of probably more of a prequel from what I understand uh, of Gravity Bone Gravity Bone by the way is included if you buy this game it is part of the download so you get both Gravity Bone and this Um, But this is a short story in video game form, and I think that's really a good sort of distillation of what this is all about. This is using uh, film and sort of short story uh, narrative techniques to tell a story, but just totally smashing that together with a video game form.
2: Yeah, and before we get too far into the details, I just want to say up front, normally we do sort of a spoiler break in these episodes, but... This game is 15 minutes long, and it's from 2012. Um, If you're really worried about us spoiling it, uh, go play it. Like, whatever you're doing right now, you probably can go and spend 15 minutes playing this game. Play it and come back, because I don't think we can not not spoil this game in any of the conversation. So if you're worried about that, I understand. Uh, Just go play it, and then if not, keep listening, but we're not going to try to divide
1: Yeah, like a lot of different types of media where you're mixing a lot of different time periods. There's smash cuts. There's lots of nonlinear storylines. To talk about why it's nonlinear or how it's nonlinear is the game. That's the entire thing. There's not – it's not even like an interactive fiction game where you can describe the whole narrative, but the choices will change because it's – you experience it but it is on rails for some for
0: it is almost entirely essentially on rails so yeah yeah, we're going to be talking about essentially every game is 15 minutes long we're going to be talking about essentially everything in it probably Um, yeah we run into
2: this problem a lot with um with all these with all narrative games it's really hard to draw that line uh you know with because a lot of them you could just say well you're a person and you're you're learning about a story. You know, You're you could exploring
1: say, a <laughs> place. You could yeah. say You're that walking for, down hallways. Yeah,
2: exactly. Firewatch, Virginia, you know, all of these games that we love um, could just be boiled down to that. Uh, but normally there's a little bit more gameplay than kind of holding forward and hitting E.
1: I'll say that this is a little less intentionally surreal as Virginia, if that's something that you were um it, it was divisive. Uh, I say that because i I was divisive on it. <laughs> I liked some parts. I didn't like some parts. It's not as if like suddenly you walk into a room and there's a melting clock, but there are things that are going to be uh jumping through time or kind of you walk to a certain point and there's a cut. yeah, um there's a lot of those time distillations the the tesseracts as it were
0: (laughs) nice this is a game that like really really trusts you as the player to put the pieces together yourself so you know obviously we're we're going to get into the story itself in a minute but like this is a game that does not hand you it's story there's no voiceover there's almost no text in the game what text there is is mostly in the forms of like signs um so this is a game that has definitely a, a story and characters and, but you are really kind of on your own to discover them by reading context by reading setting by kind of interpreting from action and the scenes are presented in this sort of out of sequence way that it feels very uh film like uh feels almost mm-hmm. um I don't know what film really, like, I don't really have a good touchpoint film to kind of compare this to, I guess.
1: It's a spy movie. Yeah. The boring parts are cut. Oh, yeah. Like, they cut all the parts where people are planning the heist. You just get, like, bits and pieces of the heist. It's like if you got hit in the head right after a spy movie and then you tried (laughs) to, like, you remember all the parts. And then you tried to explain it to a friend.
2: Yeah, that's great.
1: Or like a YouTube or like a YouTube slice and dice where you like put a spy movie in a blender and you could only pull out the chunks you that were You know, now it's film in a blender, but you could just pull out the little chunks and put it together in YouTube and you said that was your fan fiction. Like, it's that kind of thing. There's just (laughs) odd bits Uh, in wrong order. Yeah, so if if you
0: think back to, like, 2012, like, this style of of gameplay, this style of storytelling in games was extremely uncommon. That's, I think, why this game persists in the sort of video game, um, you know – Taco sphere, the way that it does. This is a, this is mm, wait.
1: Tacos?
0: Did, did you say taco sphere? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's at the taco sphere, and I. <laughs> I was I I I was trying to the word I was trying to to reach for was Water video game cooler? discourse, but uh, you know it's the it's like Ta- the, the taco sphere, yeah, time. taco sphere exactly, yeah, okay, like a,
1: a, cool. like a weapon with a taco on the end of it.
0: I'm
2: not arguing or saying it was a bad word choice. I just was making sure that I heard.
0: Tacosphere, correctly. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna verbally place those those hyphens. Talk dash o dash sphere. It's much better. It was so it was kind of controversial when it first came out. A lot of people didn't really like it. Uh, There's, I mean, you know, 2012. We're talking five years ago. Before even before this podcast came out and revolutionized video games forever. Uh, This this was a you know this is a 15 minute game that costs five dollars on Steam, um, and that is a weird thing even today. You know, 15-minute long games are incredibly uncommon. But not just that. This is a... I don't want to call it linear because actually the story is is told in an extremely non-linear way, but it's also not primarily about gameplay. It's a story-driven game. So it's got a kind of a through line that you are following and your goal, your job as the player is not so much to make decisions about the story or, you know, really even kind of decide on how the action is going to progress. Your job as the player is to piece together these fragments of narrative to figure out what happened Yeah, in a co- yeah. similar kind of way. It's like if you're playing something like gone home, where you're piecing together a narrative from chunks of, from, from the detritus of, uh, of a house here, you're piecing together those narratives from little tiny story fragments.
2: Yeah. Um It's interesting. There's, there's a couple things that come to mind. First of all, there's no in game reward or, uh, Like redemption or anything for solving it. You could just basically hold forward and make it to the end of the game and not ever figure it out. And it would still end the same way. And you would not, you're not triggering anything. Like you mentioned gone home, and that it's true, and that you're like figuring things out. But gone home has sort of a progression. You get into rooms, new things happen, and you're like told new bits. This is just, you're just being pushed through it. And and the other thing that's one of the other things that sort of sticks out to me too in this game, unlike a lot of the games that came after it, uh, like Virginia and um, maybe like uh, Unfinished Swan and some some of that stuff, they're purposely trying to make you interpret like concepts and like you know um, theory and like what happened, why did this happen, what does that mean, what does that buffalo in the or bison (laughs) right Mm -hmm. in the middle of the street mean? This game, I think something very definite happened and is happening. Uh, It's your job as the player to just figure out what specifically happened. I don't think there's a lot of like necessarily, there's a little bit, but it's not a whole lot of like weird imagery. It's just like. This
1: ain't the great Gatsby. You're not trying to figure out what the symbols mean the whole time. Yeah,
2: it's just a thing, an experience happened for the player character that you're playing. And as the video game player, you're going through it with them, and you're. It's it's jump cutty and strange, but it's not surreal. So I, I don't know. I think that's really interesting, and I think it it lends itself to replaying in a way that is more fun to me than the replaying to like figure out what that bison meant. If that it's makes also sense, fun because <laughs> the
1: randomness if you think about context, it would make perfect sense. Like there's an entire section where someone is just sitting and peeling oranges and flicking them. And there's another part where there's just a billion cats on the stairs. And (laughs) when you cut to those scenes, you're like, what is happening? This person I just saw holding a gun a second ago is just calmly peeling oranges and flicking them on a balcony. It seems like a really weird thing to do. And then you kind of move through the scene and you're like, oh, okay, maybe this is a different time period. Maybe, you know, you you actually start piecing it together a bit and you realize that it's disquieting or disconcerting or not what you expected, but it is a totally normal scene. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't make sense. It just wasn't, at all what you thought was going to happen next.
2: Well, it's funny because I, I feel so, like, prepped for those things. So it's like, a uh, yeah, her sitting there peeling oranges. I was like, ooh, oranges. That's a movie trope for, like, Death is Coming, right? Like, uh, the, God, <laughs> like the Godfather and then uh, Requiem for a Dream. They Like, they all do that. There's oranges. And it's like, no, it might also just be it was uh, a memory of her and it happened to be that she was eating oranges at that time.
1: At the beginning of playing it, I was looking around rooms looking for, like, hidden things to pick up or find or read, and I realized that's not this game.
2: They actually set you up because you can drink all the bottles of, like, liquor in the first room. Yeah, you can just take them all. The first thing I did in the game was find and drink every single, like, bottle of liquor in the room, and I'm like, ooh, like, this is going to be something. And I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> it's just
0: you can do that, I guess. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think this, like, this is not – Despite the sort of, like, disjointed, sometimes confusing narrative style, this is not, like, a David Lynch type of thing. Virginia maybe is, but, like, this is not. I think this sort of falls more in the kind of, like, um... Tarantino or Guy Ritchie kind yeah. of style. Like this is a, oh, I this Guy is Ritchie a, too. it's an action story. It's a story about a crime taking place. It's a heist that takes place entirely off screen. So, you know, we're seeing the prep for the heist and then we're seeing the aftermath of the heist. And we're seeing these, these flashbacks to like what brought us here. But um, it's like, it's a, it's a heist movie where there's no heist, um, but it, it has that heist or, or, you know, sort of crime movie drive to it. You know, it's not It's not something that's standing still. It's It moves along at a clip for all 15 minutes. And then you can go back and play it again and pick up some of those details. So the very first time that I played this game, I actually didn't like it almost at all. Um, and that's kind of a weird thing to say about something that on the show I'm saying, you should absolutely play this game. But the first time that I played this game, I got this... I got this feeling with it, where I was like, I got to the end of it, I was like, wait. First of all, that was all. It was only fifteen minutes, and I hadn't figured it out. I got to the end of the game and hadn't like it hadn't clicked for me. The story didn't make sense yet, and that gave me this really uncomfortable feeling. Like I remember coming to the end of it, being like, that's not right. I should be able to figure this out by the end of the game, and I they didn't they didn't tell me anything. What's going on? And I realized like I get this weird feeling of kind of inadequacy when I play something that I can tell is good, but or, or is like artistic, or is like interesting, but that I can't understand. And that just deeply bothered me the first time that I played it through. But then I went and played it through again. And I've ultimately now played the game at least five or six times. Uh, it's only 15 minutes. That's not a big time commitment. Um, by the second or third time that I played through it, Um, you know, I, I, I focused through on the, on those later playthroughs on trying to sort out the story and specifically trying to decide, okay, what in the, what of these scenes is like active current events of the, you know, what's the present and what are flashbacks and what are those flashbacks telling me about the story? Um, and I think we could kind of transition over to talking a little bit about the specifics of the story and specific scenes, um, But like, that's the key, I think, to this game is like, pay attention, try to be able to tell what is the present and what is a flashback. And that kind of opens up a lot of the story for you.
1: Kind of like her story when you learn to look at different details and that the game is not going to tell you which details are important and which details are worth tracking. Mm -hmm. It's up to you to figure out what details mean something and what is just a different camera angle.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, so if we're gonna jump into the story, I just want to pitch to you guys because I very recently played it, and I I play games with a general sort of analytic view, but I also want to just experience it for the first time. So here's what I think happened, but I don't think I'm right. Okay. <laughs> so I cannot but, wait for this. Like, well, I don't think it's a great I think it's a good theory, but I just I can't imagine that I got it right on the first time. So, but for the sake of the show, I thought this would be uh, you know uh, fun. So. At the end, you're in a like a car accident, right? And so my thought is that the game is the last it's like you know what they say like when you die it's like all the scenes that play through in your head of like your whole life. but this is like he's the character's dying in the accident and is thinking about all of the stuff that led up in this sort of heist that happened and went wrong and that's what he's he or she i I think it's a guy that's like what is thinking is like oh it's just like a bam 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 of all the things that went wrong uh and has led to this moment and then it's the end of the game so that's my theory I you guys can that. tell me.
0: Yeah, I think that's cert- actually that's not. I definitely think that's not wrong in a sense because, like, I I do think that that, that final car accident is sort of like, like I do I do think the character. It, it's a bit it's a bit of a tricky thing to say because I do think the character dies in that moment, but also this is supposed to be a prequel to the other game, so the player character is supposed to be. I I don't think it matters so much, but I do think I do think that's the end of. Citizen Abel's life. Uh, the, he's he's called that apparently. I, I don't think it mentions it in the game, but this is the Cid- Citizen Abel series. But like, I do think that's the end of his life, or at least the end of the game. That's certainly the last moment chronologically of the game. But I do think there's there's like present stuff. There's like present active moments before that. It's not all flashback until we get to that. I don't think.
2: Yeah, I. That's where I think I'm probably wrong. Is I think you're you're like think when you. You were talking about that earlier in the show and I was thinking about it like it does seem to have current and past and then the game ends like the narrative ends with the car accident. It just felt like you could interpret even the current time as the past and the only true current time is like the accident
0: since the game is only 15 minutes i don't think it's that crazy for us to just like walk through it basically in sequence yeah. um the game opens with you uh the player character kind of going into a bar and underneath the bar is a um uh is a kind of a secret hideout and there's some great details that you can pick up there in the bar and in that hideout if you take the time to really explore um this all takes place in Brendan Chung's sort of consistent universe. Um, and so it's a very weird world. It's not our world. Everybody has giant cube heads. But on top of that, it's kind of this like weird sort of future retro. Um, so it's in, a, it's in a country called um, Nuevo Aries. And um, you can tell from the bar based on signs that there is a prohibition on, on alcohol.
1: I think we called this like soviet punk or like communist <laughs> punk during quadrilateral cowboy because like things are futuristic but also very industrial and kind of ghetto yeah. but yeah only, like in the soviet russia weirdness way definitely it's
2: like in a bond in an early bond movie if like the cool technology that he gets from Q and is like super crazy technology is just kind of how the world works. Like everyone just has these like weird little gadgets and everything's like kind of, kind of techno like technology based, but all like weird purposeful gadgets.
0: Yeah. Quadrilateral cowboy called it, I think 20th century cyberpunk, which is to say like it's cyberpunk, but also it's the eighties or something. Um,
2: what there's a there's a sign you're talking about the prohibition sign uh it says uh, failure to keep this establishment free of alcohol will result in penalty of queso which <laughs> I, 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 I'm a god I want to know
0: what that means
1: <laughs>
2: cheese
0: cheese mancy yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh god you don't want to get you don't want to get the cheese wizards on your ass. I don't so know I
1: queso are the worst I
0: mm-hmm. but I mean that doesn't
2: there's worse types of Mancy. I mean, if yeah. it's going to be... I'm all right with cheese, Nancy.
1: Oh no. You haven't seen misfits. You do not want cheese, Mancy. Oh, no, <laughs>
0: I
2: have seen misfits. I had thought about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: also, the sign says this license expires November 16th, 1963, which I think given that this is part of the same sort of world as, uh, as, um, quadrilateral cowboy, which is set in the eighties kind of explains how some of the technology of this game seems a little more antiquated as compared to quadrilateral cowboy. Um, mm. cause it's 20 years earlier. Um, so you, you enter this bar and you, you know, turn a portrait on the wall and you open a secret passage and you're down in a secret hidden room below the bar. that seems to be the hideout for our three main characters, the, the, the player character and two other characters. And the way that it introduces these characters is just like visually one of my favorite things that they do in the game. You know, you walk up to, there's two characters waiting down here in this hideout, cleaning their guns or whatever. And, um... When you click on either one of them, you get these, like, smash cut versions of, like, seeing who these people are with these gigantic letters uh, just spelling out, you know, so we can see that Anita is a demolitions expert, a sharpshooter, a mechanic confectioner. And for each of those words, you see her engaged in that activity. She's uh, blowing shit up. She's shooting things while hanging from a rope on the side of a building. She's fixing a plane. She's baking a cake or presenting (laughs) it. Um, And then your other character, Borges, forger, safecracker, pilot, best man. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and it cuts into like him standing at a wedding. It's so <laughs> funny. This you you said it earlier, I had the same thought about like a guy Ritchie movie. Like this fits like right at home with a movie like that. You in- introduce a character and it's like boom 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 boom, you know, like a 4 second cut about their entire life. It it gives you a real good sense of the character. And also, it's the first sort of thing that really happens in the game. You the bar is just like a entry and this is your first like, "Oh, okay, so this is going to be a like an action sort of game.
0: Yeah. And you can tell from all the stuff that's around that they're planning something, you know, they're planning, it, it feels like a criminal space, right? You, you know, you're in a hidden room. The hidden room has a bunch of guns and bullets, but also blueprints and plans and books passports. and passports, passports, fake IDs, everything that you would need to commit you know, some sort of unnamed heist. It never fully explains what it is. Although I kind of get the sense that given the prohibition and the fact that they've got tons and tons of booze, that it's some kind of like booze running operation, but it's never completely explained what the heist or operation they're preparing for is.
1: Yeah. And bless this game. Anita is wearing, um, what only looks like a barista apron, which when (laughs) you think about it works for both of her Demolitions expert and her uh, confectioner Confession. thing. She's just wearing this like very uh, green and white. It's perfect. I just laughed really hard over that. Excellent point. You can
0: also push some ducks off of a ledge. For yeah, no and yeah, there's a there's a, a water plane down there. They've got a they've got a little enclosed uh, sort of uh, waterlogged room where they're keeping their gigantic water plane that looks exactly like the plane from like Tailspin. It's Yeah. It's awesome. Um, Something else that I didn't notice the first time I played through, um, but that if you're playing the game and I mean, we're spoiling stuff right now, right? So uh, Anita has uh, a robotic arm and leg. She has lost an arm and a leg at some point. And in this very first scene, she's already missing them and she's got them replaced with some sort of little robot arm and leg. And, I mentioned earlier that like it took me a couple of playthroughs before I kind of like started figuring out what is the present of this game and what is the past. And that was that detail was the key for me because in some scenes you see Anita with all of her limbs and in other later scenes like this one, we see her with these prosthetic limbs. And I, I think that's probably the most obvious visual way to tell like what is the current events. I believe like if, if the game has a narrative that's going forward in time and is punctuated by flashbacks. We're starting in the in the hideout and we're starting with Anita already post-accident. Um, and uh, so if you're seeing Anita with her missing arm and leg, we're probably in the present. And if we're seeing Anita without before she lost her arm and leg, we're probably in a flashback.
2: Yeah, I did not catch that, but that makes a lot of no. sense.
1: I noticed it actually halfway through the game and it's like, oh, wonder what other scenes she didn't have to that
2: was... <laughs> Too too late to interpret that one. Yep. <laughs> too late.
1: I was like, that was probably the clue. Um that I was like, that was the clue that I noticed. I'm seven minutes into a fifteen yeah, minute game. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> well that's that's the thing, like I didn't get that at all the first time and I don't think I really got it until like my halfway through my second playthrough. And I've played through the game like five times now. So um so after we uh, set out on the plane. You know, everybody boards the plane. You're clearly ready to go on your heist, right? And you immediately get this smash cut, which is the most film-like smash cut in the game. Instantly, after the plane is beginning to take off, you're in a uh, in a room in that just seems to be full of boxes. And Anita has been shot. She's covered in blood, and she's holding a gun pointed at you. And pulling the trigger, and it's not firing, because presumably she's out of bullets. And there's Borges as well, and he is also wounded and probably dying uh, in this in this room in what later seems to be an airport. So you're jumping from, we're preparing for the heist, to everybody is practically dead and Anita is trying to kill you, but she doesn't have any bullets Like, what happened in that time between, we don't really know. The game never really gives us enough clues to really tell. But something clearly went crazy wrong with the heist. Um, And so the rest of the game's, I think, sort of forward momentum of, like, forward in time plot progression is escaping after the heist. Um, So, uh, you know, you're in an airport, And, um, you know, in order to get out of the room, you have to pick up Borges, kind of throw him over your shoulder, and you're trying to escape the airport, which is full of people and full of these weird sort of floating drones with guns, um, and you're trying to escape. But all the while, while you're escaping, you're experiencing these flashbacks to sort of, how did I get here?
1: Yeah, and in the airport, there are some fantastic uh, wanted displays that show up for uh, Winston Borges. It's a really um, cool they,
2: scene. Yeah, you're like running down the middle, and the, the hallway is full left and right of all the like blinking wanted signs. Mm-hmm. Very dramatic. It's by
1: the Department of Retribution, submitted so <laughs> for armed robbery, conspiracy, forgery, and bootlegging. And then at the bottom, there's just a list of aliases, and they're all wonderful. Of course, you're running down a hall with a guy and a luggage cart, but I. My favorite one was probably the Petulant (laughs) Eerie.
2: Nice. Yeah, I stopped and
0: read those too. But it's very dramatic. So your escape from the airport is punctuated by these by these flashbacks. And I mean, those are where you really learn about the characters and, and how they got into this mess. Right. So, you know, you've got a a scene of Anita that you mentioned earlier, Anita peeling oranges, you know, sitting in a hotel with just sort of mattresses on the floor, peeling oranges along with her, you know, you pick up an orange and you peel it and you eat it. Um, And then later there's a scene uh, that it flashes back to of you and Anita and Borges uh, going to a wedding. You're in that same building, kind of going upstairs from that building to a wedding. My favorite scene of the game is the wedding scene. You know, you and Anita and Borges go up these long winding stairs Hats to the roof stairs. Yeah,
2: and thirty flights of loving, you might say.
1: I uh-huh. I, I think it's I don't eight, know.
0: You don't climb. 30 it's not flights 30 for sure, but yeah. I, I think that's gotta be it, right? Like,
1: I mean, you're on a balcony, so you're high up, and then you yeah. go up another like six floors. So Maybe the roof's on the thirtieth floor.
2: And I think the loving is that it's full of cats.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so you weird cat dad. It's I
2: just the only way I could ever like. I, the guy had the uh, the writer of this game has such a like a, a unique language. You know, like it's such a funny way with words. And I was thinking the only way I would ever string those sentences together, 30 flights of loving, is if I did encounter 30 staircases full of cats, I might actually say, this is 30 flights of loving as I go (laughs) up. So that's the only thing I can think of.
0: Uh, you, did not Loud, occur to me. Loud, surreal cats. Did not occur to <laughs> yes. me, but those angular, box-like cats were indeed very loving. Um, <laughs> they
1: were. They chased you with their meows. Mm-hmm.
0: And and the scene and at the affection. at the scene at the top of the you know once you reach the top of the stairs you're you're attending some kind of a wedding presumably the one where Borges is the best man. And such
1: good dancing at this wedding. Oh man. Great and you
0: know, play. he leaves you alone with Anita and there's this scene of you and Anita just drinking and drinking and drinking. Lots of smash cuts as suddenly uh suddenly more and or jump cuts, I suppose would be the correct term for those, and where more and more you pick up
1: a bottle bottles and when are... you start putting it down, it's a different bottle. You yeah. pick up another <laughs> bottle and they just keep Suddenly there's another.
0: you know, thirty bottles on the table and Anita's face is getting drunker and drunker. Um and you see the the you know, everybody's dancing except you and Anita. And this is one of my favorite sort of visuals in the game. Is the 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 dancers are kind of swirling around each other, and suddenly they start to kind of like flow upwards in a weird kind of like tower of dancers, like reaching higher and higher as they kind of hover off of the ground. Uh, something I love about that is that so I, this game has a uh, has a director's commentary and basically what that means is like you can play through it with these little nodes that you can click on to get some details that uh brendan chung wrote about the game um in, in all honesty, it's not the best director's commentary I've seen in, in video games like this. First of all, you, you know there's no voiceover and these are all red, but a lot of them are just sort of like him telling you things like, I really would have liked to do it this way, but I couldn't figure out how. But something he said oh, about, uh, about this scene that I love is that he said this was a happy accident. I was trying to write uh, a generator to just have folks kind of bob up and down as they were dancing and it was broken and they started sort of flowing upwards off of the ground and he realized that's perfect that's exactly what i want ship it yeah uh, that's great i love that um and that's where things seem to kind of start to turn sad obviously this is all inter- these scenes are tiny short scenes interspersed with escaping from the airport with borges on a uh, on a on a cart right yeah, um, at one
2: point, flinging, like, there's a gate lowering. Oh, that was great. And somehow you fling Borges sideways and directly under the gate so that it lowers and, like, hits his the cart you've been pushing him in so you can, like, crawl under it, too. It's, it's very uh,
0: spy action movie. It's, it's pretty funny. Everything about this is, like, super, like, heightened 60s rad spy action movie style i just that was a that was great that was a great moment and that's just before the big gunfight as well which i guess we'll talk about but um like out of that wedding the, the one thing that's like i think important to understanding the story of the game was that like when you first walk into the wedding there's this woman standing there who has a red streak in her hair in the front anita does not have that they're all cube heads. So it's kind of hard to distinguish them, but like this red streak in their hair, woman is a stranger and you know, you get drunk at the wedding with Anita, but very short. And then it shows you leaving the wedding, uh, following Anita back to the apartment, but then you're back in the apartment and there's another woman there. And it's the woman from the wedding with the red streak in her hair. So it seems like while you're at the wedding, Oh, this is like romantic, the player character and Anita have something going on, but then suddenly you're with this other woman that you met at the wedding. Um, uh, It's hard to really place, but I'm pretty sure Anita gets her heart broken. You know, something's wrong in that.
1: You're a criminal buddy sharing your apartment together. She thought this might, or they, I interpreted that they were together, Mm -hmm. but maybe just loosely together. And then um, you hooked up with someone.
2: Yeah, that like cool 60s
0: spy movie together, you know, yeah. like,
2: yeah. I'm my They're own like, man. we're not going to talk about yeah, things. Yeah, and you're your own woman, but, but we live together. and
0: <laughs> We're just going to casually eat oranges and sleep on mattresses on the floor and be extremely yeah. bohemian and cool. Of course,
1: <laughs> and and go to a wedding and instead of dancing like those plebeians, you're just going to get really, really sloshed.
0: Extremely drunk. Oh, no. So yeah, the, the present story of the game continues with you escaping the, uh, the airport. There's a big shootout in which you don't do any of the shooting. Um, you're pushing uh, Borges a around on his cart, and he's shooting the drones for you in, the, in what I guess would be the closest thing this game has to a boss battle, even though it's actually punctuated by jump cuts and suddenly, oh, I guess they're all dead. And sometimes you follow the bullet like the, oh the camera man goes, you're right the, yeah. that was the first scene where they used that they used it a couple of other times after that i love that shot yeah at, at
2: first i was like oh i'm controlling the bullet oh no <laughs> i gotta hit the guy and i'm like wait this isn't that type of game you
0: know <laughs> i was doing that too
1: i was like what i can't i, I don't missed. think i'm aiming properly yeah <laughs>
0: there's yeah, so many the like gorgeous shots in this game like it Whenever it takes you out of first person, which it does almost never, it's to do something absolutely beautifully filmic and cool, like, like the sort of like following the bullet as it flies towards its target shot, or the shots when you're, you know, when it's introducing the two characters at the start and it does those weird little jump cuts to, uh, you know, to tell you who they are, or, um, you know, the, uh, yeah,
2: it's all stuff we're used to seeing in films, like art, exactly artfully shot films where they stick a camera on an angle you wouldn't expect, like at the end of a bat or something. When you know the uh, Roger Deakins sort of thing, where they yeah. just everything is shot from an angle you wouldn't expect. Yeah, and uh, and this is an artfully
0: artfully modern, you know, edit incredibly tightly edited, uh, artfully shot film in the Quake Two engine. Like that's yeah, that's it's, cool.
1: It's a montage film. Yeah,
0: and. So I guess continuing on with the story, they, uh, you know, you're, if you finally escape the, um, well, actually, I guess one sort of final important, uh, flashback moment that you get as you're shooting these drones out of the sky, uh, is you flashback to a scene where you're riding on the back of a motorcycle and Anita is on the front and Borges is on a separate motorcycle and you're driving the wrong way down the freeway, uh, and uh, Anita looks back at you and there's literal, literal hearts like rising from her head uh, as she looks back t- away from the road and back at you. And suddenly almost out of nowhere, uh, you're, you head on, have a head on collision with a truck and it cuts away. Um, so my assumption, and I, I, I don't know if this is accurate for sure, but my assumption is that that's how Anita lost her arm and her leg, that you two were together, that this scene with the, with the motorcycles was happening a long time ago, and that she lost her arm and her leg, presumably in, an, in a motorcycle accident that you were also in. Um, and possibly she resents you for that. I don't know. Um, maybe she resents you for that and also for, for, for sleeping with that other woman. Don't drive
2: on the wrong side of the highway. Very good advice. Even if you are a super cool spy, yeah, or whatever you are,
0: smuggler, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you are.
1: Um, you're whatever you want to be. You don't have a description. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's true. You're citizen able. It never really mm. does describe anything about the main character. And unlike um uh Quadrilateral Cowboy where you can like look in a mirror, there's no opportunity to do that in this here in this game. So you really don't know, I mean, I guess you don't even really know uh, what Citizen Abel's gender is. or anything. You're the
1: protagonist of a spy movie. You're the one who gets away. Yeah. You're fine.
0: Maybe. So I guess the sort of final scenes of the game... Uh, you know, once you finally make it out of the airport uh, with Borges on, uh, on his cart, uh, it, you go out into this space that is like a pure pink or sort of magenta void filled with cop cars. Um, that's a really kind of cool visual. And also, it's a great shortcut to not have to do a fully realized outdoor scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, it's this very cool looking view of like, you can tell you're surrounded by cop cars and you're in panic mode because all you can see are cop cars and magenta. And somehow you managed to get away because it jump cuts to you escaping in a car that is uh, also in this sort of magenta void. You're you're being pursued by police cars. You're shooting back at them. It does another one of those cool bullet follow shots. And just as you're escaping from the cops in this sort of uh, driving sequence in this sort of pure magenta void, another brief flashback of the the moment on the motorcycle when when the motorcycle impacted the, the car, and then it immediately cuts back to what I assume is the present, and you get into yet another car wreck. And that, as far as I can tell, is the end of the game, that, that car wreck ends the game. Now, it actually kind of ejects you from the car into the credits, which are in this form of a museum, which is really cool and innovative in and of itself. I love the way this game presented its kind of credit sequence.
2: Yes, and I have... Uh, so the, the museum, it, it has these like little tiny little examples of experiments about lift and how
1: mm-hmm. Bernoulli's principle.
2: How, yeah, and how wings work and how flying works. And I think this is to, this was part of why I thought the, you know the, the game was what I thought it was is because this is teaching about what it means when things are flying through the air. Mm. And so your character is flying through the air. Thinking about all the things that went wrong to lead to him to be in this situation of being, you know, midair flung from his car. I like that. I like that.
1: (laughs) I got to the point when I saw that. I was like, oh, they're doing lift principles. I was like, about flights. And I was like, oh, man, are there 30 references to flight buried in here? I was like, no, those were full bottles. They weren't like. Yeah,
0: we've Flanked already established alcohol. it's it's cat stairs. It's
1: cat stairs. It's it's cat no. stairs. Yeah. I'm 100 I'm, I'm that is canon. <laughs> Seal it in cement. <laughs> Put it in the video game Hall of Fame, write it mm-hmm. on TV Tropes.
0: catstairs.com. Cat stairs. <laughs> So that's, that's pretty much the, the end of the game, with one exception. So, you know, you play through the, the, uh, the credit sequence is a museum full of exhibits, most of which, apart from those sort of exhibits on Bernoulli's Principles of Lift, uh, are actually just the credits of the game. They're little paintings and and little structures kind of showing, you know, the, the name of the game, the name of the people involved, and so on. Um, but, like, there's a, a, a kind of a final shot after you kind of leave the museum where you're back on that bike with Anita, you know, and the the sun is is setting in the distance and that moment kind of goes on forever until you hit escape. And so I think, you know, that's that's that sort of like last perfect moment, that moment before the accident, before Anita Um, was injured before things went wrong with the heist. That sort of like, and I thought that was a wonderful moment to end on that sort of like last perfect moment as he's, I go, I guess he's probably dead. Um, But that's, that's his last memory. Before his body
2: smashed into the pavement.
0: Gross. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I'm really glad that we played this um, and I recommend it definitely to anyone who
0: hasn't. Yeah. It's like, it's like really worth see, worth playing through because it. I mean, even if it's not something that like particularly like yanks your crank in terms of like how you appreciate what? games. <laughs> Real
1: graphic. Uh,
0: hey, here in the taco sphere, we don't say things like "yank it, the crank." All okay? right, excuse me. <laughs> uh, if this if this it's doesn't explicit
1: warning, uh,
0: excite your your you know better nature and your video game appreciation. uh you know, high-minded, et cetera. Are we et cetera. Calling it no, you know what? Now? Never mind. Just go back to Yank the Crow. <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever. Even if you don't get this game or don't like this game, I think it's important. It's a very important game in narrative first person games. You know, this was not by any means the first narrative first person game. This came out the same year as Gone Home. Um and it it's it's part of a revolution in sort of the indie game narrative game space, but it's a very important part. You know, this game, I mean, we've been saying comes up constantly in discussions of first person narrative storytelling in games because it did some things that were almost entirely new. I mean, they're not new under the sun because they are film techniques, but this is this is an example of you know just smashing film techniques into a game and making the game better for it you know games don't always can't take film techniques and make them work in the form of video games all the time but this is an example of where it it does work and it's a pretty instructive one
1: i mean you need polished weirdo experiments uh there's Plenty of places for unpolished weirdo rawness to come out and for people to mine ideas out of, but something that's polished and a little bit more, has a little more vision behind it is really valuable because it's a fully conceived idea that's been thought through and it's still weird and experimental. I think that there is immense value in having a nugget like this out there. Um, It has its place. It's not... We can't only let experimental games be done by beginners. Like, yeah. if people do experiments and then they stop experimenting once they get uh, known, it doesn't really work anymore. You need people who will experiment, who've got a couple games under their belt, who are going to keep bringing this kind of stuff to the table.
0: Yeah. I, something that, I saw in a review that, just like a line that I, I'm not even sure which review it was from, but something that I loved was you know, you've got to celebrate small games that do a small thing well. And that's this is a game that just absolutely nails one very small thing. It's not this is not a revolution in game design exactly, but it just absolutely nails what it was trying for, which was bringing these like film storytelling techniques to a game in a way that still feels like it's enhancing the game experience. It it it's a it, uh, I don't I it's great. I, I love the way this game tells its story.
2: Yeah, and I know I've already hit on this a couple times, but I think just one of the things that makes it so successful is that it's not it's not a surrealistic experience. It's like a it's a interpretive, interesting experience that is super fast and you can go back to it. And I just think that's such an accomplishment. I think I mean, a lot of people only... I think a lot of people would when they're making a game like this would fall back on It's going to be weird, but it's weird, man, you know, and it just like make it weird. But this is so precise. I think Mm -hmm. everything in it is intentional and purposeful to it, like to a T. And I think that makes it uh, part of what, like you were saying, something that is small, done incredibly well. Yeah. Precise is
0: a great word.
1: And the only two times you have something surreal happen, it's at the wedding when the dancers float and you are wasted. I was gonna say and you could just it, say you're
2: it, drunk, you know? it feels
1: very like an emotional like yeah. it feels kind of like a thing happening in a movie where something will come to life because you're you're wasted and then at the end, when you're running out and then the there's just this pink wash where the cop cars are, and it's very much like an adrenaline rush like right? mm-hmm. or almost like yeah. a zombie game where like the things turn red when you're in rage mode like it it makes sense when mm-hmm. it does something weird. it has a narrative use, it's not just to be. Strange. Right, it's
2: not weird yeah. for the sake of weird it's, or it's not,
0: or anything like. that? It's not realistic. I mean, this is a alternate world. Totally. It's yeah. it's a uh, and it's a funny world. Like this is a game full of references uh, to Casemancy. Yeah, <laughs> <And> it's got <laughs> it's got things in it that are bizarre, but it's not. You're absolutely right. It's not surreal, which I think is a strength in this. It's it's very. Um, it evokes a world that feels at least partly internally consistent and, and interesting in in that way. Like it, and it's really also interesting that it's part of the same world as uh, Blendo Games' other games. I, I love when things kind of begin assembling a uh, you know things that are maybe not explicit about their. Intent or you know that don't don't do a whole lot of world building but that build a world as part of a, a whole like network of things. This is part of this game takes place in the same world as several other games from Blendo games that kind of build on each other and gives you this kind of meta sense of place. That's really interesting. I'm glad that we finally did this game for
2: the show. Uh, so thank you to those who have recommended it to us and uh, and it feels you know we're we're coming off of an in-between Uh, some, the, our IF comp coverage, which has been, uh, a ton of fun. Uh, but this felt like such a good little thing to, to sort of step, step over and play and, uh, you know, experience. So if, if you've already played this game and you've been doing IF comp with us, go and play this game again. Yeah. It
0: was actually really nice for me to go back to it. I thought I, um, last time that I played through it was at least three years ago, I think. And it was great going back to it. So I absolutely recommend, if you haven't played this game, it's one of those sort of, if you're interested in narrative games, in short games, um, this is one of those sort of touch points that you will be glad that you've played. Uh, and if you have played this game before, you know, boot it back up for a second. It takes, fifty it takes, you know, one minute to download off of Steam and it will take you 15 minutes to play through it again. And maybe you'll find something you didn't find before maybe you'll find something that i've never seen in it because there are a lot of really cool details if you find something that if i missed a major thing here or if i misinterpreted things let me know
2: yeah uh, tweet at us let us know you've got
1: two people who played the game today and someone who played the game five times (laughs) probably did miss something
0: if you do want to get in touch with us you can find us on the web at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find all of our past episodes and you'll find our contact form which is a great way to let us know what you think about the show also there's a link there to itunes where you can leave us a review we love it when people leave us reviews on itunes and uh it's one of those things that actually helps support the show we don't do a you know, Patreon or anything. Uh so if you if you like the show and you're enjoying it, uh if you liked our IFCOM coverage or anything else that we do, please leave us a review on iTunes. Um you can also email us at infotheshortgame.net at or find us on Twitter at underscore shortgame. And of course you can find us individually on Twitter. I'm Reagan Kelly and you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh Laura, where can people find you?
1: You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash.
0: And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at STL. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I should say before we completely wrap up, our next episode will probably be a wrap up of IF Comp. So join us next time for the final, hopefully we'll be talking about the results of the voting of IF Comp. Uh, so join us next time on the next episode of The Short Game.
2: Hey, we did the episode, and it's only four times the length it takes to play the game.